Welcome to another episode of the Pastor's Inbox on the Man of God Network brought to you by Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. The title of this episode is The Approval of a Church Budget. We've been talking about church budgets in previous episodes, Uh, so if you've missed our previous conversations, we would encourage you to go back and listen to those conversations. Uh, Two episodes ago, we talked about examples of budgeted giving. Our episode that we released one week ago was titled Church Budgeting, and today we're going to talk about uh, the approval of a church budget. And to begin this conversation, I'll ask you, Pastor Joe, to begin by answering who in a church might be responsible for creating the budget. Well, first, I want to answer somebody besides me, <laughs> because I feel my my uh, weaknesses in that particular area. And it's all right for us to know those areas in which we are not as strong in as others and recognize that there may be many other men in the congregation who could do the job better. So, uh, but I will say that certainly the church leaders should lead in the area of a budget, whether they designate authority or lead themselves. Uh, Pastors and deacons, I think, should work together usually on uh, creating the church budget. Uh, While pastors may be ultimately responsible in this important matter for leadership, I I think they should lean heavily upon the diaconate if the diaconate uh, have the skills and the wisdom to help in that matter. Because uh, the matter of a church budget, I think, surely overlaps with uh, the duties of deacons to oversee the non-spiritual activities and responsibilities of the church so that the elders can give themselves to prayer and the preaching of the word. Um, I would not rule out the elected church leaders seeking out also financially knowledgeable men for assistance in the area. They may not be deacons. They may not be elders. But every church probably has some men who are godly men who are also very wise in in the use of finances. And I think that we should utilize the gifts that God gives to his church when we're uh, creating a budget. Hmm. I also think that it's this important responsibility should be given to any particular leaders who have skill in the area of finance. As long as these men uh, are known for godliness and integrity, I don't think you just look for the richest deacon in your church and uh, give him the responsibility. Is he a godly man? Is he filled with the Holy Spirit? Uh, I'm thankful that at uh, Grace Reformed Baptist Church, we are blessed to have several men, uh, not only in the membership, but in the diaconate with budgetary knowledge and skill. Uh, We have it in in the pastorate, excluding me. We also have it in uh, the diaconate. In fact, we have a designated deacon of finance in our church, a man who is a godly man, who is a skilled accountant himself uh, in his employment, Uh, but he's, he's meticulous. He takes this matter seriously, and we lean upon him heavily after the elders have come up with a budget then uh, we will uh, certainly uh, lean upon his expertise in 
setting it up, uh, setting it on paper. And generally when we have our business meeting to approve a budget, he's the man who will get up and go over it and explain it to the uh, congregation. Um, uh, it's good when you've got men who take, uh, who have the knowledge of financial matters who are also scrupulous in their integrity. Um, so while the pastors might take the lead, uh, Lee, you may differ with me on this, but while the pastors would take the lead in determining many of the important decisions regarding the budget, uh, our Deacon of finance uh, will crunch all the numbers and make sure everything adds up. And then he'll create the budget on paper and give the financial report at designated business meetings. That's no small blessing hmm. when a church is gifted with a godly, a godly man or godly men who can be trusted and who can do these things well and are glad to serve God in this way. So there's a few thoughts on the, uh, who should be responsible for, for creating the budget. But Lee, I'm sure you can add to that. Well, I, I don't know about adding uh, anything because I think uh, you, you've covered, you know, really the, uh, the basics. I, I would appeal to uh, Acts 11.30 when the church in Antioch was going to send benevolence to the church in Jerusalem. We're told that the funds were sent to the elders. Now, obviously, the elders are those who are overseeing the whole church, everything to do with it. And therefore, uh, creating a budget is going to come, as you said, Joe, it's going to come under their authority. And it doesn't yes mean that that if they are CPAs, it'll come under their authority. If they are really, you know, math whizzes, then no, it's going to be under their authority anyway. Yes. Uh, however, it is right to include uh, deacons in the work. Uh, even the example, uh, Acts chapter 6, uh, of mm -hmm. what we would consider the beginning of the office of deacon. Well, it was about finances, benevolence, and that was all delegated to those seven guys so that the apostles yeah. could be freed up for prayer and, and the ministry of the word. And they were entrusted with the funds. So, uh, yes, mm -hmm. they weren't operating as some co-equal branch of government. Uh, they were under the oversight of, in that case, in those early days, the apostles. But uh, thereafter, we would assume under those who are the overseers. It's interesting in Philippians 1, uh, when Paul's writing to all the church in Philippi, he then says to the overseers and the deacons. Well, literally, it's to those who are overseeing and those who are servants. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, you've, you've got them working together, but clearly there's that distinction of who's giving the oversight. Uh, for us as a, a smaller church, uh, we actually have a meeting with all the officers, both elders and deacons. Now, some churches would perhaps have several elders and, and, and many deacons, and therefore they wouldn't all have to be involved. It'd just be certain ones as uh, like you've indicated, I think, Joe, there in, in Owensboro. But either way, primarily, it's going to be the officers. They're the ones who are responsible, both overseers and deacons. Uh, they've been recognized by the church. Uh, they've been entrusted with authority from Christ and recognized by the church. And also that would mean uh, with authority over finances. Though I would also agree with you, Joe, that, that that doesn't mean you can't get input. In fact, you should get input from others who can be mm -hmm. helpful. It's just that they do not have that recognized authority uh, from the church. Uh, so 
Um, right. Basically, we're saying the same thing. I'm just taking a longer to say it. That's all. <laughs> very good. Very good. Well, we've talked about uh, who's responsible for creating the budget, but I want to ask another question uh, that helps us to get to the title of this episode. Whose responsibility is it to approve the church budget? I personally believe that the budget should be presented to the church and approved by a majority vote of the church. Um, I think that we can easily um, open ourselves up for uh, people within the church. If you've just got a few people uh, passing the budget, uh, you can open yourself up to uh, members becoming disgruntled, uh, members saying, you know, why don't I have any say in where my tithe uh, goes, where my money goes. Uh, and I just think the more open and honest monetary things are presented, uh, the less room there is for Satan to create suspicion in the minds of members. I personally believe that, uh, and Lee, feel free to disagree. Church members should never feel like uh, they're being kept in the dark. Uh, it doesn't set well with the sheep. Uh, they don't want to, they want to know uh, where their ties and their offerings are going. So I think it promotes unity when the whole body approves the church budget instead of just a few. Mm -hmm. Lee, I don't know how you all do it, but uh, feel free to jump in here and tell me what you think. Well, I, I again, brother, we're, we're on the same page. Uh, you know, we don't have a, a specific text in scripture uh, requiring a congregational vote, though it is a, a common practice, certainly in the churches in, in our circle, uh, but our own confession in chapter one and paragraph six, you know, there are some circumstances concerning the worship of God and government of the church common to human actions and societies, which are to be ordered by the light of nature and Christian prudence, according to the general rules of the word, which are always to be observed. I would think congregational voting uh, could be such a matter, though we do see indication of some kind of expressed consensus, call it vote, call it whatever you will, in, in a number of texts, Acts 15, of the, the whole church was sending out these men to carry that letter to the Gentile churches. Well, how do you know it was the whole church? There had to be some expressed consensus. Well, so too, when it comes to monies, you look at, at 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, and the monies that are being sent, and, and who it is that's taking those monies, it, it seems apparent that there was involvement on the part of the church, some way of, of recognizing their consensus. The same thing can be said when the monies were sent in uh, Acts 11, at the end of that, from the church in uh, Antioch to the church in Jerusalem. Uh, there's some way of knowing what's going on, who's involved, etc. cetera. Uh, so it, it would certainly speak to it as funds being raised and uh, mm -hmm. men being put forward by the church to deliver that. Uh, all that points to congregational involvement, and, and therefore you would think, well, that's probably a congregational vote. You can argue for the congregational vote in the very word used for ordaining, I think, of, of uh, uh, it was John Owen talks about raising the hand by way of appointing or ordaining elders. Well, mm -hmm. that, that would indicate that it was a practice to vote, and therefore, in these other things, certainly uh, it would be warranted, even from Scripture, as well as from uh, what our congregation refers to as the light of nature and Christian prudence. Uh, seeking the congregational consensus 
in spending in a in a, a budget uh, it, it certainly right for the good of the church. I mean, after all, it is money entrusted to the congregation, yeah. uh, generally, of course, by the members. Mm-hmm. And an agreed upon budget is good, as you've already indicated, Joe, for accountability, uh, to make sure the money is going where it should go. It's spent a right. You've also uh, rightly said, Joe, for the sake of unity in the church, you've got an agreed upon guideline uh, for the spending. I would also say this, for any new expenditures, which are going to fall to the church and its members, well, since giving is is voluntarily, uh, is voluntary, I should say, it, it's right to ask them, uh, look, this is where we're planning on going uh, by way of a congregational vote, the, the church saying, yes, we, we're, we're ready to go this way with our giving. Uh, and further, don't we want the church to be on board, and don't we want all the members to be very much part of all mm-hmm. of church life? Yes. Well, seeing the budget as their budget, uh, seeing it as their giving, and yes. they're giving their approval, I think it's one way for just demonstrating uh, that, wait a minute, we're a body, and we're all involved mm-hmm. here. Just one of many ways to demonstrate it, but it is yet another way, so that the church finances are the concern of not just the officers or certain guys who are good with money, but wait a minute, for the whole church, trusting those that are uh, have already been entrusted with authority, uh, but at the same time, yes, feeling very much part of this, not just, a, oh, here we go, we're going to have a, a board meeting, B-O-R-E-D, a board meeting, uh, where we're going to hear all these things about the budget, you know, so uh, for, for us, I would add this in there, that that when uh, the officers will will have the agreed upon budget, it doesn't change that much year by year typically. Uh, and then one of our deacons, uh, he's very good at these things, and he will present it to the congregation. Um, and I will deliberately absent myself since my uh, uh, remuneration is a large part of the budget. I deliberately absent myself from that. I don't think there are been questions raised, uh, but uh, I would rather not be present so the church doesn't feel like, well, wait a minute, I don't want to speak mm-hmm. out about this. Why are we paying that old bald guy that much money to do what he does? Uh, you know, so uh, that's just been our practice that that's uh, the, for the deacon to, and the congregation to sort out uh, with me not there. Now my, my fellow elder, he also will be absenting himself from church budget meetings. Well, Anyway, I've rambled on a bit. There you have it. Back to you, Austin. (laughs) Thank you, brothers. Uh, This has been very helpful. Uh, Thinking about how a church should go about creating a budget and then how it should be presented, who has the uh, biblical uh, responsibility of approving of the budget and some wise principles for making the church feel involved in their finances that uh, they're They have a duty to be involved in. Uh, Thank you for discussing all of these uh, important topics. We've been discussing the approval of a church budget in this conversation. So if you have any other questions about uh, church budgeting, we would encourage you to submit your questions to pastorsinbox at cbtseminary.org. And until next time, we wish you grace and peace. God bless.